I'm just going to start by praying, and the Lord has a few things he wants to do to begin. Lord, I just thank you for this time and this time of worship where we're releasing one heart and one accord, one sound, saying that you're worthy, Lord. And I just thank you for the opportunity to gather today. And I ask that you would just anoint this time, Lord. And I just pray that any words that come from my mouth that are not from you, they would just fall to the ground. And every word that is spoken from you, Lord, would plant and, and be watered and be fruitful and it would multiply. And I just ask that you would grip us tonight, that you would receive your reward, that eternity would be affected tonight, Lord. And we just come with great expectation of what you're gonna do tonight. And I just pray a blessing over every person and every person listening right now. And Lord, we just love you, we love you. We just say you are truly worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I woke up yesterday morning in a dream and it happened again today. And when I woke up, the Lord kept saying, my power will be present to heal. My power will be present to heal. And this morning it happened again. And so I want to tell you that his power is present to heal. And I want to start with this. I actually had in my dream, I saw myself asking who needs healing and people standing and being healed. And so I'm just going to start in obedience with that. So if you need healing in your body, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Lord, I thank you that your power is present to heal and you see every person. Yeah, if you're around these people, you can just extend a hand and pray and join me. And Lord, you see everyone standing, Lord, and we just declare that your healing power would come and flow from the tops of their heads to the bottom of their toes, Lord, that you would come and make things that are sick and renew them, Lord, with just vigor and vitality. And I just declare the shalom peace of God over people right now from the head from to the toe. And I just curse any spirit of infirmity that's there to torment any, any bodies that there would be healing right now healing right now by the blood of Jesus Christ. We just make a declaration that by the stripes Jesus took on that cross, that you are healed in your body. We say go to all pain, go to all, all malignment in the name of Jesus. And we just declare be, we just declare perfection over bodies right now. Perfection over bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your healing power that's flowing and your power that's present to heal in this place right now. Oh, we just release prayers of faith, prayers of authority right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful on the cross to take on all sickness. And we declare your wholeness over every person standing right now in the name of Jesus. And I just felt to ask, I also saw this in my dream. If you're in need of a miracle in your body, I want you to lift your hands. If you're in need of a miracle, lift your hands high. There's, I want my, the, the ministry team to come and lay hands on these people with hands. And if you're not on the ministry team tonight, but you are on the ministry team, you can go lay hands on people right now. 
We just declare the miracle-flowing grace of God right now over these hands lifted. We declare every impossibility to bow at the name of Jesus. And we just declare your heaven's blueprints over these, na- over these names, over these diagnoses right now in the name of Jesus. And we just pray right now for your fruitfulness to multiply right now. Yeah, keep praying, keep releasing. And if you're, if you're not receiving prayer, I want you to be a priest and release healing prayer around the people around you. You can do it from afar. The Holy Spirit knows no distance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just release testimonies of miracles right now. Every hand raised. Every hand raised that the faithfulness of Jesus Christ would be their banner. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha in their midst, over their lives, over, that, over their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We agree with our brothers and sisters, prayers of a faith, f- prayers of faith, heal the sick. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Does anyone have a kidney diagnosis? Kidney. Steve, that's you. Anybody else? Just release prayers of healing over your kidneys, Steve, in the name of Jesus. We just declare the life of God, that those kidneys will come into rightful function right now in the name of Jesus, that every blood, all the blood would be detoxified perfectly. We just declare right now a new kidney in his body right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're touching him right now, right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your power is present to heal him now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I wasn't planning on uh, saying this, but does anyone feel a shift right now already? Just wave at, nice, come on. Pain is gone in your body. Yes, anybody else feel a shift? Back there, over here, come on. Thank you, Jesus, yes, come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan, and I'm going to give you a 30-second synopsis of my life because I really want to get into what the Lord has for tonight, but um, I've been coming to River House since about six months after its inception, 2017, and uh, my husband and I have been married for almost 18 years this summer. And we have a one-year-old son who is the pride and joy of our life. I'll get into a little bit more of that later, but that's our story. And we just actually, right before I, we had our son, the Lord had asked us to lay down our business. We, had, we were business owners our entire married life. And the Lord had asked us to sell our business and follow him. And um, so we're counting the cost and laying down the things that we hold valuable in our hearts to serve the king of glory in greater measures. And that's the journey of faith, right? So we're in it. We're in it to win it right now. 
Um, so I want to just kind of briefly give you an introduction of tonight. And as you know, that our church has been in this reformation and we're, we're shifting into this new paradigm. And I know months ago, Jordan had said, we're moving into an apostolic paradigm. And many of us are still discovering what that means, but there's a shift happening and it's been happening for a, f a couple of years, but there's been a real acceleration since November. And um, we've been worshiping longer than normal. We've been pressing into the heart of God and God's really been purifying so much in our midst. And he's, the, the question I believe he's confronting all of our hearts is, why are you here? And it's a, there's a beautiful thing awakening in the heart of his people that we're saying, we're here for you, Lord. And everything else we get is a bonus. And, and it's so beautiful because Sundays are my favorite days of the week. How about you guys? There's just this, there's this just, there's a culmination of, of the secret place times we have with the Lord. And then Sundays, there's this anticipation of what's God going to do? How are we going to worship? How am I going to give the Lord all that I am and all that I love about him? And there's something so beautiful and the Lord's starting to increase this expectation. And, and I know that in his heart is that we'd be known as a house of glory. And he's wanting us to have a reputation for his glory. And part of the apostolic wineskin shift, um, I had released this um, in a staff meeting, and I had also released this in a deacon meeting, and Jordan asked me to share this tonight. But part of the apostolic wineskin shift is what's called the fivefold ministry. And oftentimes we don't hear this a lot, and I'm just going to give you a brief history. About eight years ago, I started getting gripped with this. Lord, is this your will to have multiple voices? What is the fivefold? What does Ephesians 4 even mean? And I started really wrestling and grappling and praying into this expression of what could this look like to have the manifold expression of God in a church body. And in 2020, as you all know, the church got shaken. And since then, we've really been trying to embody what does this fivefold ministry look like? And we are in the fledgling stages of this but it is something that God is doing in the church at large. And it's happening here in this house as well. And he's inviting us into what it looks like to be a wineskin that's apostolic, that has manifold grace coming from, from this pulpit, from even different things that are happening within the house. And then of course, to express it outside of these church walls. So I kind of wanted to give a brief context of what this is. And then we're gonna dive into Ephesians 4. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you open to Ephesians 4. So before I read about this, I want you to know that there's graces that the Holy Spirit gave in 1 Corinthians 12 that we all have, right? And now this is... Um, talking about building the, the government of the church. So this is specifically to the building of the church and the Lord is such a genius in his building. And so I'm gonna explain as we go, but let's start in verse seven. So Ephesians four, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. 
Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And this is talking about Jesus, verse 11. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be tossed but that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who's the head from Christ, from whom the whole body joint and knit together by what every joint supplies. I'm going to stop there. So the fivefold ministry is, is something that Jesus, when he was risen from the dead, when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And so he gave the Holy Spirit to all of us, but he said, hey, I'm gonna leave. And now in order to express me, I'm gonna give you what's called the fivefold ministry so that you can do your best at attempting to bring a fuller expression of who I am. And let me just be clear, if we were to, if we were to take all the apostles, all the prophets, all five ministries of every person that's called in the world, and put them all together, we would never even come close to the expression of Jesus. Only he's the one that can walk in all five of these, but this is his blueprint and he's saying, hey, listen, I'm gonna give you a government to build your church on so that the manifold grace of my life can be expressed. And so every grace is gifted to illuminate a different face and side of Jesus' heart. And so it's super important that we understand what each gift is, all right? so. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about why the Lord set up the fivefold. According to Ephesians 4, it's to edify the body. To edify is a building term, it's to build us up. And if you actually drill down in that word edify, it means to create a, li- a, a house that's living. So a living tabernacle. So we're all meant to be living tabernacles of the spirit of God within us who express the manifold grace of God. And this happens when we receive different gifts from the fivefold. So to edify the body. The second one is to unify, to come to the unity and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And so I wanna tell you that there's only one way to find unity and it's around the person of Jesus. We can't find unity when we're around people that are like us. We can't find unity when we're, we all have the same hobbies, we all have the same graces. That's actually uniformity. Unity is when we all camp around the one man, Jesus Christ. And so every gift points us to the man and then we grow in the knowledge of him. So that's the only way we unify. We actually, um, you, you'll see some places that have one voice and they all look and sound alike. And we call that unity, that's not unity. Unity is actually sitting in the tension of the different graces and all saying, hey, we're gonna honor and respect the side of Jesus that you illuminate. So the unity, and and the, the other reason why we need the fivefold is to help us grow up to a perfect man, that means mature. So we wanna be mature believers. We can't be babies always wanting milk. We need, we need to grow up and want meat and be mature. And the only way we can do this is if we have different expressions of the grace of God. And the last thing, of course, strong against deception. It says in Ephesians 4 that we wouldn't be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of deception. 
So this helps us inoculate against deception. The last one, so that we would grow up into him, Jesus, who's the head. And there's a beautiful translation in the Passion that's just coming to mind right now. And it says that we're all sourced from him. And then we give it back to him. And then there's this glorious cycle of life that comes in the fivefold. And so we're, we're, that we're equipped to edify, to unify, to, to grow us up, and to grow us to look like Jesus so that we be more compatible with the Son. There's a compatibility that comes when we learn different graces and we're sharpened by different graces. And if you remember how the story ends, this thing ends in a wedding, right? So when Jesus comes back and we're gonna marry the bridegroom, he's, he's coming for a bride that's compatible with him. And part of the grace of the fivefold is to help comp- increase compatibility in the, in, the, in the bride, in the body of Christ. So the Lord, as I was preparing this, he gave me this kind of edifice analogy. So just bear with me. This is a good visual. But according to Ephesians 2.20, it says that the apostles and the prophets lay the foundation. They're connected to the chief cornerstone, who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the head. But it says that the apostles and prophets lay the foundation of the church. So if you can think of the, the apostles and the prophets being the foundation, they're the ones that have like the blueprints. But you really don't see much of the foundation. The pastoral grace would be like the walls. They're, they're there to keep the sheep in and keep, create a safe place for people to gather and be known. The, the teachers would be like the lights of the house. They're bringing illumination to the word of God. And the evangelists, if you could think of them as being like the door to go and preach the gospel. So you've got the foundation, the walls, the lights, It's kind of rudimentary analogy, but it's a good visual of what each grace brings. So I want to drill down into each grace and help us bring understanding to each grace so that you kind of can recognize the grace on people's lives and know what's going to happen. Grace determines function. So if you know someone's grace, you know the function, the the, the side of God they're going to illuminate, and then how to pull on it and even have expectations that are congruent with that. So let's talk about the apostle. The apostle is our blueprint person. They are the architects of God. They get blueprints from God to build a church. They think global, they think kingdom over congregation, which is why most apostolic leaders have multiple congregations that they're sent out to. They send and come back. That's why even last week we saw Riverhouse. Oh, I almost said it. There's places in Riverhouse and other, oh gosh. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I asked him to circumcise my tongue. That was one right there. <laughs> we have places in other parts of the world that are also a river house because an apostle thinks global. They, they carry a burden for every soul and to see priests be sent out as ambassadors into every sphere. They export the kingdom of God. And so an apostle is someone who's a blueprint person. And, and they carry a, a, a big vision, a grand vision, often bigger than the personnel they have around them. And the apostle, if you were to ask the apostle, if you could sum up church in one word, they would say, time to mature and send. And you would, you would see an apostle starting things in church like um, how, to, how to get equipped and discipled and how to get them sent out. 
You would see an apostle um, really getting a heart for the nations, sometimes even before the, the local church is built up, but it's, it's congruent. It's like having two kids where you love them both, but they're just different, right? And, and the, the tagline of an apostle would be, church is a place to get trained up and sent out. The prophet. The prophet is the mouthpiece of God. They're connected deeply to the voice of God and heaven itself. They are fierce guardians of the new covenant, of the presence of God, and they carry the rhema word and the Cairo season in their hearts. They're deeply compassionate about life with the Holy Spirit, and they call people to a deep purity and devotion to God at all costs. So you'll know, you'll hear a prophet when they're saying, it doesn't matter what it costs, follow him. And if you were to ask a prophet, sum up church in one word, they'd say, wake up, wake up. And the first thing they would start in a church would be <laughs> probably Holy Spirit classes, worship, long worship, usually to a prophet, longer is better. That's actually not a joke either. <laughs> um, you'll see deliverance. You'll see gifts of the spirit being, a prophet will train and equip the people to hear the voice of God and move in the gifts of the spirit. So if you were to ask a prophet, what's the tagline of the church? It would be to be filled up and encounter God. The evangelist. The evangelist reveals the truth of God. So when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, or not that that's the teacher. I'm going to go to the teacher. Sorry. The teacher. It, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the teacher carries the truth of God. And they want the word of God inscribed upon our hearts. They carry a genuine desire for people to be, to be discipled in the word of God. Teachers have a very strong conviction with sound doctrine and the way things are conveyed in the word of God. When a, when a teacher is teaching, you get rooted in the word. You get rooted and grounded in your life. You get stable because you're, you're knowing the word of God. You, a, a teacher wants to help bring the love of God or the love of the word of God to a, to a people group. And if you were to ask what's the one word, if you could sum up church, a teacher would say, study up, learn up. And the first thing they would start would be Bible studies, Bible reading plans, maybe like Greek and Hebrew classes on how to read the word better. They would be so, they'd want to disciple people on how to read the word of God, classes on how to read the word of God. Does that sound familiar <laughs> today at 2.30? That wasn't a shameless plug, Benji. <laughs> And the tagline of a teacher would say, church is a place to learn the word of God and get rooted in the word of God. The pastor, the pastors are the walls of the church. They carry a deep conviction for healing, for healthy people, healthy souls, healthy marriages, healthy families. They carry a deep connection with people and they want church to be a place where you're, you're known and you're seen by people. They carry a, a deep, deep, a deep um, conviction for just wanting health and wholeness in the people of God. 
and they want healing before anyone is sent out. So they carry just a deep love for people. And pastors create healthy, balanced, safe places in church. And if you were to ask the pastor, what's one word for the church? They would say heal up. And the first thing they would start are house churches, marital, uh, marital ministries, family ministries, ministries where people can get connected and whole. And the tagline of a pastor is churches are a hospital for the sick. Have you heard that before? That's the beautiful grace of a pastor. So I, I was joking with Scott, my husband, if you were to go, did I name all five apostles? Yeah, I did. Oh, evangelists, thank you. Evangelists, oh yeah, I started to go there and then I went to teacher. Evangelists carry the salvation grace of God. Where the evangelist is, there's joy of salvation. There's movement. There's people that are like, I just got born again yesterday and it just sparked something beautiful in you. Yeah, I remember that day. That was so glorious. Wow. There's joy. Evangelists are usually very charismatic. They're good storytellers because the people outside of the church walls are by grace designed to draw people to themselves so that they can win people to the Lord. So oftentimes you'll see an evangelist based on who they are in the marketplace and And you'll see an evangelist moving in power and signs because healing evangelism, power evangelism is usually something God graces the evangelist with. So the evangelist carries the one word, if you were to ask them what's church about, they'd say, giddy up, it's time to go. And I joke around that the first thing they would start would be of course to train up, train up people to go share the gospel. And they would, they would really have discipleship where we catch the go of the gospel. And I joke that they would probably eliminate all padding in chairs so that people don't get too comfortable in church. And they'd want to stop church early to go out and share the gospel, right? So that's the beauty of the evangelist. (laughs) There's so much more. And I hope you know that these are generalizations. You can't possibly describe every gift in detail. But if you were to go to each one of the graces for marriage help, let's say your marriage is in trouble, you would get five completely different answers, right? <laughs> so you go to the apostle, hey, I need, I need some marriage help. And this was actually Danny Silk. Have you guys seen the, the parody on the fivefold Danny Silk did like 10 years ago? Well, he jokes around that every answer that the apostle gives is just Shabbat. They just pray in the spirit over you until you fall out. <laughs> And so they would, I'm just going to use that. The, the, the apostle would just say Shabbat to the married couple and just say, stay down until you get that. And by the way, you're called to the nations. <laughs> and the, if you go to a, a prophet for marital help, they'll probably set you up with deliverance. They'll probably get you filled with the spirit. And instead of a date night, they'd have you encounter the Lord together. They call that date night, actually. We encounter the Lord together. And they cast vision too. If I were to go to the pastor, they'd say, let's get you in the how we love class. Let's get you one-on-one. Let's get you some marital help. They would come and get just this beautifully nurturing space to just be messy and let's figure out what's going on there. Isn't that beautiful? And then you go to a teacher and they'd say, you just need to read Ephesians 5. (laughs) And wife, you need to read Proverbs 31. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
evangelist would say, who cares? Go out and spread the gospel. <laughs> Your marriage will be healed as you go. <laughs> so it's funny because the graces are so different, but I hope, that you, I hope we get that we need the different graces. Without the teacher, we're not grounded in the word. Without the prophet, we don't, hear, we don't hear what the Lord's saying now. We can have so many spiritual gifts, but we don't have the pastoral grace. We can be bleeding internally and hurting people, right? So it's such a beautiful mystery that Jesus is like, hey, I'm gonna ascend and I'm gonna give you five graces now. Go ahead and try to get along. Go ahead and try to stay unified. And I want you to really pull on these graces that might rub you right? Like you might have the gift of mercy and really resonate with the pastor. And the prophet might sound like a clanging cymbal because they're like an alarm clock, right? And it just, it might, you might not resonate. There's a rub there. Or you might have the gift of justice and the pastoral grace might rub you like, hey, come on, call out that, call it out, right? So we need the graces so badly in the church. And this is God saying, hey, I'm giving you this I'm giving you these five graces so that you can somehow see a greater picture of me and that you can equip the believers so that we can go out and see a greater view of me out there. So it's this beautiful, beautiful synergy. And I just want to testify of the, how the pastoral grace has blessed Scott and me so much. When we first came to this house, we had been married for what, 14 years? And I don't know, I don't, I'm, I'm not really a math girl something like that, in the teens. And my husband didn't want to have kids. I know some of you have heard this story. And we were, we were discipled in this beautifully charismatic environment with this wonderfully anointed teacher. And yet the pastoral grace was in need. And when we came here, people started asking us our story. We literally had never shared our story. It's something that I had really borne by myself with the Lord and with close friends. And the pastoral grace on this house really softened my husband's heart and opened it up. And he was able to share a story with someone, actually, Mark, for the first time. I'd never heard him share his story. And once we shared, once Scott shared his story, then the prophetic grace came around and slapped us upside the head. And we got five prophetic words in one week before my 40th birthday. And when I was 30, I had a vision that I would be 40 and we'd be celebrating new life. And all through my 30s, I held onto this word and the pastoral grace got to Scott. We'd had prophetic words before, but there was something so beautifully soft about the connection. And then the night before my 40th, the two nights before my 40th birthday, we got the fifth prophetic word that said, the same thing, the time is now to start a family. And on my 40th birthday, I got a card that said, let's do this, let's start a family, which is why I have a one-year-old <laughs> and I'm gonna be 44 next month. <laughs> but that's why we need the different graces. Otherwise, we're, 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 we're not, we don't have the, the, the beautiful expression. And I, there's, this, there's this burden that the Lord gave me that he would receive reward for his suffering. And part of his suffering when he ascended was to give these gifts to the church. And so I want just to kind of create this value system for a different, like different people on the pulpit. And so I'm gonna to touch that, but I just want you to know that even with the fivefold, 
even with mature expressions, which we're, we're still growing in our expression, we only see in part. And when the flock often looks like the shepherd or the, the, the person who's leading the, the church, if there's only one grace, we are, we are deceived. And, and if we think that our part is the only part, we're also deceived. And so I want to I wanna tell us that there's blind spots in every single solitary grace. There's only, we see in part, so there's parts that we can't possibly see. And so I want to just touch this because this can also look like the flock. We can bear the same blind spots of, of the people that lead us. And so I just want to like put this out there and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you about the necessity of these different gifts. The apostles' blind spot is they have fire for revival. They have this grace for wanting to go and, and, and have the gospel of the kingdom preached everywhere. And oftentimes, and thankfully this is not the case with Jordan, but oftentimes with the apostolic grace, their families are left behind. And you'll see them building, 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 and their families are nowhere close. And often their soul is even neglected. And the prophet, huge blind spot of the prophet is independence. Because we, the prophets hear the voice of God. So why would we need people? Why would I need to submit to authority when I have the authority speaking so clearly to me? So that's a huge blind spot. And sometimes the prophet's head is so in heaven that we forget that people have needs. It's true. And the pastors are so bent on healing that the blind spot is then it becomes, church becomes catered around people. And it's soul-led and not spirit-led. And so there's just, there's, there's spaces for every one of us if we don't have the full expression, they're left uncovered. The evangelist, the teacher, the teacher can be dry. They can teach line upon line, precept upon precept, but it not be the rhema word of God. And oftentimes, the, the core value of a teacher is knowledge, but knowledge without experience is pharisaical in nature. And so the Lord is actually marrying all of these things, the teacher with the Holy Spirit, the, the, the prophet with the care for people, the apostle with the family going with, the, the pastor with the Shaba Kawasaki power, the evangelist, the evangelist, the blind spot is that there's immaturity because we're always going, 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 and there's no discipleship, and we go a mile wide and only an inch deep. And so the Lord is inviting even that, the, the evangelistic expression to, to have discipleship, have maturity. So what's the key? The key is humility. Humility is the glue between the different giftings. It's the glue. The last line of Proverbs 15 says, before honor, which that word honor is the kabod glory of God. Before honor, the kabod glory of God is humility. We have to have humility. And you know what? Humility inoculates us from offense. And I'm telling you, because I love you, that offense is seeping into our midst and it's coming only to steal, kill, and destroy. And a house divided cannot stand. An offense 
really closes us off to receive the grace of God. And I was talking with AJ and he said something so beautiful. He said, to reject a grace of God is to reject Jesus himself. It's like, ooh, that is good. That is good. And so how do you honor? How do you honor? You come so hungry because even a morsel is satisfying to someone who's hungry. And this isn't to say that we just accept anything that comes that's like, it's of God's word. I felt the Lord say, charge my people to be like the Bereans. And in Acts 17, Paul and Silas leave Thessalonica to go to Berea and they find the Bereans. It says that they were, they received the word with readiness of mind, which means like a zeal and a hunger in our spirit. And then they searched the word to see if what Paul said was true. So I'm charging you, be like the Bereans and search it out for yourself, right? Like we're not saying that you need to accept everything that comes up here, but we are saying there's something so beautiful about the grace of God and the different giftings. And so be like the Bereans. Why do we need to know this? I actually had another dream and some, one of you in here was saying, why do I even need to know this? Why, why is it important for me to know the fivefold? And I was in my dream, I said, that's a really good question. And I started to just say this, because God is bringing a reformation to the church and we have to be where he is. We have to be in step with what he's doing. We have to be congruent. And church, there is something so beautiful about a manifold expression of God that God is inviting us into. And it takes all of us to press into the glory of God. It takes all of us. There are no longer are the days when Moses climbs the hill by himself and the Israelites stay at the bottom. God is saying, will you all come? Will you all press in? Would you all come and, and, and lift me high and glorify my name and exalt me because simply I'm worthy. And it's gonna take a company of us to press in for the glory of God. And we can feel the swell in the spirit that God is wanting to move even more mightily in our midst. And he's saying, would you all come? And there's this story that I read in a, 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 it's a biography of an intercessor named Reese Howells. And he was a man that was born again in the Welsh revival in the early 1900s. And he led meetings. And this one particular meeting, he was walking to a meeting and his best friend was gonna lead the meeting. And they're walking together to this meeting. And for some reason, the best friend couldn't lead. And so he's walking to the meeting and he's thinking, Lord, what, what, what are you gonna do tonight? Like, what, what do you want me to do? And the Lord rebuked him and he said, you don't have a burden. And he said, you're right, Lord, I don't have a burden. And he said, anytime you gather, whether you're leading or whether you're just coming, come with a burden. And that hit me in my spirit so deep. And I'm, I'm telling you, would you come with a burden? Would you allow a burden to swell in your spirit? And when you come here, there's a burden of God on our hearts. And a burden is, I have something to give to you, God. I have faith that anything could happen tonight, Lord. I have faith that I can be touched. I could be healed tonight. I have faith that you're gonna move. I have faith because I'm gonna be with a company of believers that are all pressing in together. And I'm just imploring us, can you come with a burden? Can you come with a burden? And, and a burden says this, when I walk through those sanctuary doors, I am on holy ground. I'm on holy 
ground. I'm going to treat every minute of this night as if the Lord himself is right in front of me. That's the burden. And the fivefold, the fivefold is graced for you. The, the fivefold are ambassadors in chains for you so that you can go preach the gospel, so that you can go lay hands on the sick, so that you can go start Bible studies at your house, so that you can go and be the expression of Jesus and be the towel-bearing priest outside in the marketplace, so that you can know that your marketplace is your mission field. This is the purpose of the fivefold, is so that we can all be equipped and be sent and be so knowing we're in the will of God knowing we're in the will of God. And there's this, there's this burden on the Lord's heart to make us more compatible with him. And a manifold expression will help us be more compatible with him. And if you think about us becoming living tabernacles with the manifold expression of God, there's a prayer in my heart that's at the end of Ezekiel. It's the last three words, four words, the Lord is there. And the name for God is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And the Lord is saying, can we be a people that are a bunch of living tabernacles that come together to pull from heaven and go out and come and that we would have a reputation of Jehovah Shammah, that the Lord would be here in our midst, that, that people would come and receive from God the things that they need from all around the region. And this is what he's asking. This is what he's saying. He's saying, will you be a people that allows the living tabernacle of Jesus to expand in yourself so that Ephesians 3 could happen, that we would be the manifold expression, the church, and it would be made known to the principalities and rulers in heavenly places, and that we would shift not even just this region, but even this country and other countries where we have our fingerprints and where we're sent. And last week, something so beautiful happened. Many of you were marked to go. Many of you were marked as missionaries. That is, that is a, the DNA of an apostolic church. But I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be another country. It could be your school. It could be your, your marketplace. And so I want us to like, I want us to burn with this. Burn with Lord, do whatever it takes in me to be compatible with you. Whatever it takes to be compatible with you. And I'm going to, I'm going to share something now that I want you just to catch this in the spirit because I feel the Lord asking us to kind of draw a line in the sand. I perceive that there's grumbling and there's, a, there's been a critical spirit that's been a fox in our vine since November, since things have been shifting. And there's offense. And Bill Johnson said this, oftentimes the Lord will offend our minds to give us a greater view of himself. And so I'm, I'm charging us, can we, can we see that God is saying, church, ask me for a greater view of myself. Ask me for a greater view. And I, I perceive that we have like a, a holy, dis, not holy, an unholy distrust for things that look different. And we've been, we've been churched by religion and sometimes even Ichabod environments where the glory of God can be super scary. But the Lord is saying, would you come and would you press in with me? Would you, would you pioneer a place and build my church the way I've asked you to build it? 
And we're, we're going to try to do our part to express a manifold wisdom of God. And, and I'm imploring, would you, would you do your part and come with the burden, come with this, this, holy, this holy fervor that says, Lord, your glory will be among us when we gather. And when I show up, the water table increases, the spiritual atmosphere increases. And when you show up, the same thing happens. And we all take ownership in this together. But listen, we have to think about church differently. We have to repent. We have to repent. Church has been a place that's, uh, we, we've, been, we've been growing in this. And, and, and there's a reason why we're called river house. Ezekiel 47, the, the, the further the river goes away from the temple of God, the thicker it gets, the deeper it gets. That's the picture of this. We, we, we get graced here. And when we go, things are happening out there. But I just want to tell us, I want to implore us from the spirit of God, we have to put away offense. We have to put away our critical nature when things don't jive with how we're gifted or, or maybe, maybe somebody said something that's even not from God. And I'm, I, I just feel from the Lord, would you allow yourselves to come out of independence and be led by imperfect people? Would you allow yourself to be led by the Lord himself who's using imperfect people? Because he wants a manifold wisdom, a manifold glory to come from this church. I feel the Lord calling people out of camping around people that are only like us into an expression that sharpens, into expressions that challenge us, that offend us, so that he can receive greater glory. And so I just, the Lord has been just putting this burden on my heart. And the picture I get is many of us are in this, this pool that's predictable. It's only ankle deep. And it's shallow. And he's saying, will you jump out of that? into the deep flowing river of myself where things might be more unpredictable, but they're so much more glorious, where things might feel swifter, but they're so much richer. And so I'm just going to invite us to just do business with the Lord. If, if we need to come out of offense or grumbling or complaining, or independence. I want you just to posture your, posture your body, posture your heart, because the Lord is so kind 
because he's giving us a greater view of himself. He's giving us a greater view of himself. Thank you, Becca. And I just am trusting that God is moving on hearts and I just feel to say, if, if you feel the Holy Spirit's conviction, if you feel this holy repentance, I want you to come forward and kneel. And it's not to call anyone out, it's just to say, listen, we're gonna draw a line in the sand and we're gonna say, Lord, we want it your way no matter what. We wanna be a people of humility, of honor. And we wanna build your church the way you're building it, the way you desire to build it. Thank you, God. bringing liberty he's bringing a holy purification to our expectations Lord we want to build your church your way we want you to build the church and we just declare that the gates of hell will not prevail we just say offense will not divide. It will not scatter the sheep. A critical spirit will not nibble at the vine of life that you're growing in this house, Lord. And Lord, we desire a deeper expression, a deeper expression of you, Lord, a deeper experience of you, Lord. And I just hear your holy invitation to jump out, jump out of the shallow and into the deep river of God. And I just speak to the distrust and just pray, Lord, you would start creating bridges and bonds, Lord, where there's been distrust and seeds of, seeds of separation where you have seeds of connection, Lord. I bless the discernment on people and pray, Lord, it would not turn to skepticism or criticism. Lord, I ask that you would purify our hearts, Lord. We desire a greater expression of you. We desire more of you, Lord, when we gather. Lord, we wanna, we wanna be aware that we're on holy ground when we gather, Lord. I ask that you would bring a, a holy hunger in every heart, Lord, a holy zeal for you to receive your reward, Lord. Fill us with your zeal, Lord. Fill us with your fervor, Lord. Fill us with deep, lovesick hunger.
want you guys to close your eyes and just receive from the Lord right now. right now that you would create a company of living tabernacles who make the manifold wisdom of God. We put it on display for the rulers and the principalities and the heavenly places to see, for people to see, for the city to see, for this region to see that you are here. Let us have a reputation of Jehovah Shammah, Lord. We cry out, Lord, that we would be known as a people of your glory, Lord. Trust us with a reputation for your glory, Lord. Oh, give us a holy, holy, holy hunger, Lord, that when we come, even a morsel satisfies, Lord. Teach us how to pull. Teach us how to hunger. Teach us how to pine. Constrain you, Lord. We, we, we help us crucify our flesh so that we can be led by the Spirit. Help us crucify even our preferences so that we can receive manna from you, Lord, nourishment from you, different nourishment from you. And lastly, I pray that you give us a greater view of yourself. We need a greater view of you, Lord. We need a greater view of you, Lord. Lord, the church has been impotent and irrelevant for far too long and we're drawing a line in the sand right now and we're saying, Lord, Lord, we need a greater view of you, Lord. Gone are the days when we come and go to church lackadaisically, Lord. I pray right now you'd make us fire-breathing Christians, Lord. Christians who look like you and sound like you and talk like you and walk like you and are sold out because they've lost their lives to find it in you, Lord. Touch our hearts, Lord, with the value of your son that we'd go anywhere or do anything. Lord, lead us out of independence. Lead us out of independence and a willingness to be led by imperfect people, by people who annoy us. We just want you. Hear our hearts cry, Lord. Every person that's forward, I pray you touch, Lord, touch, Lord, touch, Lord. Bring bridges, Lord, where there's been disconnection, Lord. I see you building bridges, Lord, in hearts. Connection where there's been disconnection, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are coming and you're awakening. You're awakening a manifold expression, Lord. fill us with your holy fire where we wouldn't be casual. We would, we would find holy what you find holy. We would give value to what you have value to. Oh Lord, touch us with the fear of you. The fear of you, I pray. Touch us with the fear of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
us up to be compatible with you, Lord, that you would find a bride in this place and that the bride would transform a city that might look just a little bit like the new Jerusalem, Lord. Thank you for the call. I ask you to place the call on every heart tonight. The holy call that there's so much more of you, Lord, to be explored and received and equipped. And I just pray a strengthening right now, a unity of the faith around Jesus Christ. Lord, make us addicted to the spirit of revelation that when we gather on Sundays, we're just spilling out your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for touching hearts. Thank you for touching hearts. Help us value church the way you do, Lord. Help us value the gathering of the brethren the way you do, Lord. And I, I pray lastly that you would create in us a holy expectation and a holy faith. That anything is possible when we gather because you, you are in our midst. I bless every person listening now, Lord. And I know there's gonna be a a shift, Lord, that we're coming under your building grace. I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room and bless them from head to toe. And pray you would be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The ministry team is going to be up here. If you have any other ministry needs that weren't taken care of, we'd love to pray for you. But I ask that you would keep this a holy space. If you want to chat, just go ahead and head out in the lobby. If you need a touch from God, our team is ready to do that for you. But be blessed tonight. Love you guys.